This is the Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. We're two guys in our 40s watching the world pass us by, and we know the only way we'll ever be relevant again is to somehow convince everyone to be as passionate as we are about our pop culture obsessions. We are your hosts, Joe Cook and Chris Marchand, and today is our In the News special report, the 95th Academy Awards. Welcome, everyone. This is an In the News episode. We are discussing the Oscars. And you know what's funny is over the years, the Oscars becomes this source of contention for people. You get some people, they love it. They can't stop talking about it. And others, it's just one big eye roll. They're like, ah, those Hollywood elites. And they're they're so self-important with their movies. And they think their acting is so special. All they're just full of themselves. And on and on it goes. And of course, there's the fiasco at last year's Oscars, which is carrying over to this year's Oscars. Yeah, you know, they call it the slap. It's what happened, of course, between Will Smith and Chris Rock. But we're just here to talk about it. And and, and Joe, you know, you and I were sparked. Like we 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 both love films, but I think we both approach the Oscars a little bit differently. Is that correct? I would say so. Yes. Um, you, you described the Oscars as that is your Super Bowl. Am, am I correct? Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I have four kids and it's not always easy to like sit down and watch live television. It's been basically decades since I've watched the Super Bowl, really. It, the last time I probably watched the Super Bowl was at somebody's house. And, you know, it, it was when my wife and I were just first married and I was just bored out of my mind. And I kind of made this decision. Yep, I'm, I think I'm done. I don't need to watch the Super Bowl. I don't think the commercials of the Super Bowl are that great anyway. It's like, how many times can I see Snoop Dogg selling something again? You know, like, it's like, okay. And then other commercials try to try over the top to be so absurd. Or, you know, it's like they, they try to top each other on absurdity. And it just gets old. The whole thing is old. And it's all one big commercial anyway. So guess what? I would rather watch one big commercial about films, <laughs> which is essentially what the Oscars are. And and actually, it's kind of funny. This will come into our conversation a little bit is there was some crass commercialization during the Oscars this past week. I don't know. Did you hear about this at all? So I had seen people commenting on social media that there was a a trailer released for the new uh, live action Little Mermaid exactly. film. Yeah. Now, what I didn't know until you told me was that it was actually a part of the ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bring that back into the conversation later. So what I want to say is, hey, I get it. We're all hypocrites here. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny to hear people that love sports go, oh, yeah, those actors are so they're so self-centered. I'm like, oh, yeah. You mean unlike multi-million dollar sports stars? Yeah, sure. We're we're the ones that are arrogant. Us here over in the film industry. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is everybody thinks they're important. You know, everybody thinks what they do is the center of the universe. Right. And and thus it's it's OK to like really, really love football. But but yeah, yeah. Films. That's the stupid stuff. That's the frivolous stuff. <laughs> you know what I. I should say is that the Oscars is not my Super Bowl. Um, in fact, I don't think I even have a Super Bowl. You know, like the Super Bowl is certainly not my Super Bowl. I, you know, I never tune in. I, I don't watch football in general. And so I don't really have a reason to. Like you said, the commercials, I, I used to enjoy the commercials 20 years ago. Uh, now it just kind of feels 
played out. Also, the other thing about the commercials that I'd like to point out, and this is maybe this is just cranky old man Joe talking, but why do we see the Super Bowl commercials a week before the Super Bowl now? They're all on YouTube like a week early. I have no reason to even tune in. Like I I used to tune in for the commercials and the halftime show. Well, I'm too old to enjoy the halftime shows now. <laughs> and I already have seen the commercials by the night of the game. So I don't really get it. That said, I did actually watch the halftime show this year. And I, I occasionally we will tune in out of curiosity to check that out. But last year I didn't watch. I don't think I watched. I couldn't even tell you who performed last year. Uh, last year was, a, I, if, unless unless my sense of time has all but gone away, it was a slew of hip hop artists. Uh, so Dr. Dre and Eminem and Kendrick Lamar and 50 Cent and probably a few other people that I'm missing. It was a really, it was a really, maybe Snoop Dogg was there too, I think. It was, <laughs> uh, it was, because uh, he's everywhere. Um, it was, it was a decent, it was a good halftime show. It got, it got, I think it was well loved. Um, this, this year's. Well, yeah. this, well, this year's was Rihanna. Um, Rihanna, the, yeah. The last time I think I saw one, I'm, you know what, when I moved to Florida, uh, like four years ago, it was Super Bowl week. And I actually stayed at our friend Nate Eichelman's house. And he had the Super Bowl on and it was Maroon 5, which is one of my least favorite bands in the world. <laughs> I just fell asleep. You said Maroon Five, and my my head conked forward. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do remember though, in in that they uh, there was a a moment uh, in the Super Bowl where they had there had been a the big story. Not I don't know if it was a big story, but there had been a petition going that year to pay tribute to uh, Stephen Hillenburg, the uh, creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, who had he had died from ALS that year. And there had been a petition to uh, to play. Uh, what was the name of that song? There was a song in uh, the in one of the famous SpongeBob episodes that my son is going to kick me that I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But it's it was a they, SpongeBob and his friends played it for the halftime show. And there was this petition <laughs> to try to play this song Aww. at the Super Bowl, which they they didn't, of course. But they actually played a few notes of it. And showed SpongeBob on the screen, and that was like, and I, that was my favorite part of the of the. What do you mean they play like like at some like like, like uh, during the no during the Super Bowl halftime show, the intro oh of the song from SpongeBob started playing, and they showed an animation on the screen from SpongeBob. And now a true musical genius who needs no introduction. <laughs> So they actually did take a few moments to pay tribute they, to him. They, so they, they actually listened. I mean, I have to say, I think that's a, a lovely gesture. And, and this is a callback to our previous episodes about Weird Al, which is, you know, Weird Al fans have had been calling for Al to play the Super Bowl halftime show for years, of course, to no avail. Um, at least they listened to some SpongeBob fans. I think that's sweet. Yeah, it was very cool. And speaking of sweet, that was the name of the song, Sweet Victory. That's 
<laughs> that was the song. Yeah, that's what I, I was. I was on your level there, even though I've not seen and and you know, the, judge me all you want. I've not seen a single episode of SpongeBob. I've only seen snippets of whatever as it comes to me over the years. So you showed me a clip of a, a week ago, and, and uh, I think it was from the SpongeBob movie. And uh, it was hilarious. I loved it. I thought this is good. I should. I maybe I need to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, I love it. Um, I when I was, gosh, I was probably just out of high school. My my roommates used to watch SpongeBob DVDs. Very mature guys uh, that that we were. And uh, no, it was, it was a funny show. And, and then I hadn't seen it for years. And my son like became obsessed with it. You know, you know, like probably when he was. Mm-hmm. 11 or 12 uh and uh yeah so i've seen them all now i've I, you know i know the show inside and out i've seen all the movies it's it's worth checking out we could do an episode worth- all <laughs> all on spongebob <laughs> yeah 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 that i mean actually that is one of our ideas for different uh things uh you know tv shows and even music which is i introduce you to something you introduce me to something so maybe we'll get there maybe we'll get to spongebob at some point i'll have to find something similar on the same kind of level right like a kind of a cartoony thing uh, my big thing i'm i'm always i'm always hawking this uh, side of things is like yeah let's, let's do some british comedy right that's my that's like one of my big things i just i just uh i'm i'm out of the loop for sure but for of a certain age like that's all i watched was british comedy like it's kind of like everything that i did so i don't know anyway we'll we'll figure that out eventually as a as a segue, today's episode is, is is about two things really. Well, maybe three things. It's about the best picture winner, which we want to talk about. You rewatched it recently. I've only seen it once, but I've I actually I've listened to podcasts about it. Uh, Everything everywhere all at once by by the Daniels. Uh, this this kind of new directing team that's t- taking Hollywood by storm, and they are a bizarre bunch. Uh, let me tell you. I actually this week I spent um, I watched five of their music videos, kind of like their, their interesting music videos. And I mean, these guys are just fascinating people. So we're, we're going to talk about their movie. I'm, I'm curious what you want to bring out about that. I want to talk about the Oscars themselves and just maybe some of our impressions and, you know, what, what, what we love about the Oscars. And, and I did want to say too, that like, even though the Oscars is not my Super Bowl, I, I did want to say like in a, you know, in another life, the Oscars could absolutely be, my Super Bowl. I mm-hmm. could see I could see that becoming my, you know, big event every year like but the problem I have and the reason I think that the Oscars isn't that for me is it is that it really involves my life the rest of the year. And that is I'm looking right now at the list of best picture nominees. And on that list I've seen two movies. And that was everything, everywhere, all at once, which, you know, which you mentioned the best picture winner. I've seen it twice. And the other one that I've seen (laughs) is Avatar, which shouldn't even be on the list. (laughs) But those are the only two that I've seen. And like, I'm looking at this list and most of the films on here, I want to see. But it'll probably be another five, six, ten years before I get to all of them, if ever. And so that's why I'm not invested in the Oscars. Like I, I don't want to be the guy who only goes to the Super Bowl party to eat some wings and, you know, just hang out and drink with his friends. I want to be the guy that watches every game all season and gets invested and, and has, has a, you know, a horse in the race is actually rooting for somebody. I couldn't tell you for certain 
that everything everywhere all at once deserved best picture because I didn't see the other whatever, you know, eight films or whatever on the list there. I can tell you that I think it's deserving of it based on what I've seen of the movie. But I mean, I, they're one of those other movies. I mean, I doubt Top Gun was better, but, but hey, you know, there are some pretty interesting choices on this year's list too. Like there are movies, even everything, everywhere, all at once. And, and we can talk about this. Not the typical type of movie that you see even nominated, let alone winning. And, and we'll get to that in a bit. But all that to say, my problem, the reason that like, I, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that goes, well, I'm not watching the, a bunch of these rich Hollywood folks pat themselves on the back. Like, that's not my reason for not watching. My reason is just that I haven't been following it for the past year the way I would want to. And I am a movie lover. Like, I do enjoy that kind of thing. And I used to watch the Oscars as a kid. I used to watch the Grammys, too. You know, I, I always enjoyed that stuff. I'm a fan of the arts. But I'm just not invested in the in it all the way that i would want to be to be able to sit there for four hours and actually enjoy that telecast yeah yeah you know so in some ways it's like well you're a bit of a purist in that sense right in in, in a way of like you know i knew a guy once he refused to vote in elections because he felt like he hadn't taken enough time to truly research all the candidates and because of that he's like listen I don't feel like I'm responding. You know, so here you got a bunch of everybody, everybody else just like, well, I don't know. I voted for all the Democrats or all whatever, blah, 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 blah. And here's this one guy. He's just like, listen, I take this seriously. So I don't vote because I don't feel like I've educated myself enough. So you're kind of doing that with the Oscars, which is like, well, you know, like, what do I even know? Like, I, I, I yeah. It, so you, you kind of step away from it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I sat there. I mean, that night I wasn't really doing anything. I think I had I was, you know, messing around on my phone and listening to a record, just yeah. kind of chilling in my living room. And I, I you know, I, I thought a couple times about maybe I should just flip it on. And I was just like, yeah, watch the clips tomorrow on YouTube. And and that's the other part of it, too, yeah. <laughs> is that it's, you know, it's the same reason I don't. Well, there's that. Yeah, it's the same reason I don't really watch late night talk shows anymore, because anything I do want to see will be on my feed the next day. And and so there's just sort of that convenience of it too. Now see, yeah, yeah I, I do understand that. That makes sense. At the same time, and this is why I would say, well, hey, it's it's this is kind of like my Super Bowl. There is something about that feeling, right? Of, of watching it live and it's happening in, you know, there's th that connection. And I think that's that to me is still exciting to me. Well, like, I, I'm still drawn I, into that. I, I cannot say I was there when the slap happened. You know, I mean, I wasn't watching it. I, I, I wasn't either. I wasn't either. Actually, I remember I, I, I had a friend who posted something and they vague posted it. it I, I remember it. And they were like, it was something like, can't believe this just happened. And it was like a screenshot. And I was like, I was like squinting at it, like, what is that? <laughs> it was, you know, it was like that 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 shot where Will Smith is kind of like, like he's set his legs down and he's like doing, you know, he's like his hands yeah. in motion and and Rock's just kind of sitting there looking at him. Um, anyway, anyway, I did, I, I, I you know, I, I'm ashamed to say I, I, I didn't watch enough of the Oscars last year. I think sometimes life just gets too busy, right? Before we get into our talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. The Oscars, I need to add, we're going to try to talk about uh, something uh, that's also that we just mentioned, but it is, is actually relevant to the Oscars. And I think, I think was timed pretty, pretty strategically, which is that Chris Rock released a new stand-up special. Uh, what is it? Selective Outrage. 
And uh, as a comment, you know, it's like his first truly official public statement to the slap. Which I did watch live. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I didn't watch it live. I watched it like an hour later live. <laughs> I was I was like an hour behind. Um, and so these all these all things are kind of swirling in the same orbit here. So we wanted to talk, make a kind of a, a movie and also a response. What, you know, of course, I mean, we're kind of you and I are like Dana Carvey and David Spade. Uh, which is like, what What good do we really have anything to say about the Chris Rock special? So we're going to do our best, us two pudgy white guys. <laughs> and, and I can say, I hope that we contribute more to this podcast today than they contributed to the after show of the Chris Rock special. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but if there were two guys who didn't need to be in one place ever more, show me. <laughs> that was such an awkward right, a- yeah. after show that they hosted. I think Dana Carvey just wanted to go and like hide somewhere for some reason. He just, he was pretty uncomfortable. He really, I mean, it was, it was very, very noticeably uncomfortable. David Spade can mask it with his sarcasm. You know, he can, he can sarcasm his way through anything. Dana Carvey's like, I will do an impression. Uh, Awkward. Spade also seemed to have a pretty good rapport going with Arsenio Hall. I think maybe the two of them, you know, have, maybe they have a relationship together. Yeah. They seem like that they, they, they seem like they hang out. They, uh, they seem like there was a a comfortable relationship there. Like Dana Carvey should have just had a big blinking sign that said uncomfortable white guy flashing over his head the whole time. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. Nominated for 11 Academy Awards, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once won seven Oscars tonight for actor in a supporting role, actress in a supporting role, original screenplay, film editing, directing, actress in a leading role and best picture so yeah everything everywhere all at once i mean one of the ways i put it is uh, we're living in a daniels universe now and i don't know if everybody knows about this because it's kind of it's kind of interesting and you know what joe i think your comments about like well I, t- I just don't really know the films and all that i mean i i still know people that are still going oh what's this movie i've kind of heard about it but I only just vaguely heard about it. I mean, and, and guess what? That's how movies work nowadays, right? Because there's so much out there. How do we even get to everything? The only reason I knew about it at all last year, and I and you saw it in the theater, correct? I did, yeah. Okay, I did not. I saw it probably like as soon as it was released for streaming or whatever. Um, but the thing with that movie, the buzz I got that you know the only reason i knew about it was there was just talk on social media that hey you know the guy from the the kid from goonies <laughs> is in a new movie oh. and uh okay and, and okay. so there was kind of some buzz that this you know this actor you know who we all knew as a child actor in the 80s was you know in this movie that was supposed to be pretty darn good okay and that was it so i knew there were rumblings of that i honestly i'm gonna be honest with you i didn't really know anything about daniel's um, I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't even know Jamie Lee Curtis was in the movie, or you know, or anything about. You know it. what? I didn't either. I didn't know she was in the movie either. I knew about Kihei Kwan, and you know, short. short what do they call him? Short. Uh, short round. Yes. 
ground. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's hole on your potatoes. Try not loud. There's a kid driving the car. Short round from from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I knew about him. Um, I also knew about Michelle Yeoh. Are you familiar with her work at all? I, I am. I mean, yes, I I, okay. I do. I know who she yeah. is, and she's uh, what was the what was the classic that she was in? Like probably twenty years ago. Uh, oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Cr- I couldn't think of the name. Crouching Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing, amazing film. America's top critics agree. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is everything we go to the movies for. Exhilarating, visually stunning, spectacular, romantic, fantastic, visionary, filmmaking magic, the best movie of the year. Chow Yun-Fat, Michelle Yeoh, and Zhang Ziyi. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, rated PG-13. But I knew nothing about this movie going in. I didn't know until you told me that it was like a multiverse kind of movie, that it was kind of like right. a, new, a new spin on that genre. Like I said to you before, it's you messing with my head. What's with Dushi? Means head. And I said, don't worry, wait, my head. Calm down, please. Calm down. Relax your body in the other universe, please. Going to autopilot. You can't then deduct it if it's an off. Good, good. They don't know you and I are in this universe yet. So hopefully I'll have some time to explain. I'm not your husband, and he's not the one you know. I'm another version of him from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world, and it's begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Mrs. Wang. Hello. Which, yeah, that right there, um, to me, is the most mind-blowing thing about this being the best picture, is, Mm -hmm. well, I have a question for you, Chris. Do you think that it would be this year's best picture that it would have been awarded this year's best picture if the movie were called marvels everything everywhere all at once Mm. yeah uh no and that's 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 an interesting prospect um i don't exactly know what to do with that but you just recently watched it so it's fresher in your mind and you know how different of a film it is than any of those films, right? What wouldn't you say? It falls in the kung fu superhero genre or even science fiction genre. Yeah, I mean, it's science fiction, right? Which is there's some kind of merging of of science and fantasy. And yeah, but but it's it's its own beast. It's 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 a I mean, this is this is why some people actually hate it, by the way, because they're like, ah, you know, it's just riffing on, all, you know, it's just kind of a a frantic, sloppy riffing on all these different genres and yeah oh yeah you know there's a heartwarming story at the beginning but it's really just a mess and da 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 like there's a lot of there's i mean there's a decent amount of criticism and people not liking the film um by the way somebody posted an article uh the, the initial review from the guardian which is like this british you know british publication they just had the worst review when the movie came out they're like this is just nothing in this movie works is what the what the guardian guy said and uh i don't know like I, I think as a film, 
it's doing something different. And a lot of people are saying, and I guess I would happen to agree with it, is that they did something new with film language, with storytelling language. And now guess what? The industry is going to try to spend the rest of the next decade trying to catch up to what they're doing. Um, they even said it in their acceptance speeches. They acknowledge they feel like they're already behind because people on YouTube and TikTok, they're able to put out their sketches in their their whatever little, you know, things that they can come up with anytime they want to. Whereas for them, you know, that takes them two, three, four years to make a film. I think one of the things that I realized growing up was that the, one of the best things we can do for each other is shelter each other from the chaos of this crazy world we live in. Thank you to the storytellers here who did that for me. Um, the world is changing rapidly and I fear that our stories are not keeping at pace. And I, I um, sometimes it's a little scary knowing that movies move at the the rate of years and the world on the internet is moving at the rate of milliseconds. Um, but I have great faith in our stories. Story, these stories have changed my life and um, they've done that for generations. And I know that we'll get through this. Um, I mean, I have no doubt that they have done things that have never been done before and that it, it was revolutionary in that regard. But when I watched it, I didn't sit and think, oh, this is that they did something new. I, I watched yeah. it. And I thought, oh, they did something better. For sure. I wouldn't disagree with that. They made the multiverse movie that that Marvel and DC could only dream of making. In my and I love. It. I mean, I absolutely loved it the first time I saw it. I think I loved it even more the second time. And yeah. for what it's worth, I absolutely think that it was. And again, I, I want to be fair when I give my opinion of this. I didn't watch all the other nominees. So I don't know. There, there yeah. might, there might be a movie, uh, you know, in that list that I think is a thousand times better than everything, everywhere, all at yeah. once. But I think it was absolutely deserving of being an Oscar-nominated film. I do think it was that good. I do think that they did some really, really tremendous things uh, visually with their storytelling. It, it's just, a, it's a, it's a truly fun movie to watch. It's weird. It's quirky. It's goofy <laughs> at moments, and there are moments in that movie that on the surface seem so silly that they shouldn't work, and yet I'm tearing up in those moments. I mean, there's moments of, of her and her, uh, you know, the scene near the end of her and her daughter as boulders, you know, and like, I mean, it's actually an emotional, it's a stupid scene that is emotional and beautiful. And it, and it should just be dumb, but it isn't. It, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they made that work and they made me take moments like that serious, th that's an Oscar nomination right there. So, I mean, I, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a, a tremendous film. I'll ask you this. Like, do you think when you think of this movie, having watched it, when you sat down in the theater, you saw it before all the hype, was there anything in you as you watched that that thought this is going to be like the most awarded film in the history of like cinema? Okay. So I, you know, you know, like somebody who knows about football strategy um, I, I know a decent amount about Oscar strategy and I mean, I, I know I, I can't just rattle off the list, but I do know a number of films over the years that won best picture that were not deserving of it. And I know I know how Hollywood plays the game a little bit, right? And I'm just saying that as a guy who lives in Midwest, Illinois, right? You know, it's like, who am I? I'm nobody. And I know, you know, I've done enough research and stuff. Like, I mean, are you are you familiar with the debacle, the fiasco with Shakespeare in Love? Did you ever hear about that? 
refresh my I mean, memory. I mean, I, I remember when it, it, it won, correct? Yeah, it won. The sexiest movie of the year is now the best picture of the year and the winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Actress Gwyneth Paltrow. The house is stirring. It is a new day. It is a new world. In a film critics say has it all. Adventure. You're on my ground now! Comedy. That would have them rolling in the aisle. And romance. You would not believe me. It's everything you want a movie to be. Shakespeare in Love, rated R. Now playing everywhere. Now, infamously, and again, this is this is funny how these things work, is like, I mean, as a kid, I had no idea this was going on, and I didn't hear about this until re really just this year. But guess what was also nominated in 1998 for Best Picture, other than Shakespeare in Love? Saving Private Ryan. Oh. And, and Spielberg expected it to be a shoe-in. And like the, the, the you know, DreamWorks and the, and the studios. And Harvey Weinstein played absolutely horrible, like, you know, he, he became a cheater. Like, he, 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 through his money and his manipulation, he wormed his way into winning the best picture and Shakespeare in Love which is I've seen it it's a fun film it's a period piece it is the one of the biggest eye rolls of best picture winners because it beat out Saving Private Ryan now again like you know like I mean maybe people don't like Saving Private Ryan but when you when you compare the two right you're just like really are you serious all I mean to say is and there's other examples of this over the years like even Crash if you've ever seen Crash which is like this kind of like uh you know, social commentary about race and, you know, people relating to each other. I've seen Crash. I, I enjoyed it, but it's a bit it's a bit heavy handed. And that one best picture. I, I am, by the way, answering your question, which is. Uh, well, well, what year was Shakespeare in Love? 1998. 1998. There you go. OK, so it, it, yeah. beat, it beat Saving Private Ryan. It beat Elizabeth. Life is Beautiful. And the thin red line. Yeah. I think Shakespeare in Love is probably less deserving than most of those films. But question for you. <laughs> and maybe you know the yeah. re the reasoning behind this. Why were there five nominees in 1999, but 10 this year? Um, yeah. So I can't remember the exact year that this happened, but I mean, this is another ongoing Oscar conversation, which is are the Oscars relevant? And I think this is another struggle that people have, and I'm on the fence about this one, which is, do the Oscars celebrate the films that were the most prominent in the public consciousness, or do they celebrate the films that were of the highest artistic quality? Over the years, the five nominees tended to be, I mean, Saving Private Ryan would maybe be an exception. Actually, Shakespeare in Love was a decent hit, too. Uh, but many, many films became these artsy, high-minded, elitist-type films. And I think maybe one of the first years where they actually opened it up to 10, it's when The Dark Knight came out. And people were like, oh, so what? You're, you're not going to nominate The Dark Knight because it's a, it's a superhero film. Uh, but people recognized the artistic worth of it. And they, I believe that was the first year that they opened it up to 10 nominees. And there might have been some years where they've gone back down, you know, that where they've gone down to like five or seven or like that. So, but... I got you. So, so that opened the door for Avatar: The Way of Water and Top Gun: Maverick. And Top Gun, absolutely, absolutely. So, guess what? This is why I I totally understand the crass commercialization of everything, and at the same time, 
like, I don't know. Like, why, why do we have to be so cynical about it? Like, I guess I'm actually a little bit irritated. This is the, a little bit of my rant about the Oscars, which is, oh, so you're cool with making a big deal out of beefy guys that lift weights and can run and, and bump into each other and give each other concussions. It's okay to enjoy that for you, right? You can, you can sit there and enjoy them throwing a dead pig around and, and going, yay, we got it to the other side of the grass. We kicked it through the thingy. <laughs> that's okay. That's an acceptable, like that's an American pastimes. <laughs> I was thinking, but, of, I was thinking of, as a football, you know, I'm not a football fan, but if I were a football fan, listen, I was thinking of, that immediately came to mind that line from Wayne's world. It was like a, Ixnay on the condescension, eh, there, Chet. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, Wayne. (laughs) But all I mean to say is, it's like, oh, those smug, you know, elitist, woke Hollywood people. It's like, oh, you know, you don't like movies. And (laughs) so (laughs) it warmed my heart. I mean, I I did see Top Gun Maverick in in the theaters. I'm (laughs) I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. I love Tom Cruise so much. Every day I pray that he repents of Scientology. That's how much I love time. I just, I get on my knees. I, 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 I get out of my bed in the morning and I go, dear God, please help Tom Cruise to reject Scientology. <laughs> That's what I do. That's how much I love Tom Cruise. No, I don't actually do that. Uh, but I did, I, I, I am an anti-war. I don't really like the military. And guess what? I love Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I love that movie. That's how much I love. That's how much I love films. And why can't a sports person just go, hey, that's that's cool. You like the Oscars. I love I like movies, too. And I can go to the sports person. Hey, that's cool. Like, it's it's fun to enjoy sports. Right. I, I do enjoy sports. Um, uh, and, and I don't enjoy as much as I used to. But for me, I don't like you're right about the condescension. I'm not into that. People should be able to enjoy what they want to enjoy. Yeah, but you're a pretentious sports fan. You're like into tennis and like the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I like my elitist sports. Actually, I, I have problems with tennis. Tennis is an elitist sport, and it kind of bums me out because it, it's only for rich kids, but it's a fun sport. I mean, since when is like having a stick and hitting a ball with it? When is that elitist, right? You know, that's <laughs> not elitist. Tennis isn't any more, you know, uh, a, a more superior sport than anything else, right? Now, all I'm really trying to say is. Let me actually address this. Maybe we're going like a lot of different directions right now. You asked me, sitting in the movie theater, did I think everything everywhere all at once was going to be like this big old mega winner? What I did was, was I hoped that maybe, just maybe somebody would pay attention to it because I thought it was deserving of it. But I also knew how Hollywood plays these things, which is, um, I mean, if, if I'm looking at the Best Picture nominees this year, if I'm looking at them here, uh, do you want me to list them or would that be helpful as uh, people are kind of kind of listening to this? Yeah, yeah go we for it. Do that. So we have Top Gun Maverick, you know, the biggest domestic picture of the year. You know, they they joked at the beginning or they they, they half joked. Uh, what they joked about was that Tom Cruise wasn't present and they made some Scientology jokes. And Very worthy of your time if you haven't seen them, as is a small independent film called Top Gun Maverick, the movie that saved the movies. Everyone loved Top Gun, everybody. I mean, Tom Cruise with his shirt off in that beach football scene, L. Ron Hubba Hubba, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, Tom and James Cameron didn't show up tonight. The two guys who insisted we go to the theater 
didn't come to the theater. You know, Steven Spielberg himself recently saying, you know, like giving Tom Cruise a hug and saying, man, you saved the box office. You saved movie theaters. You, Tom Cruise, <laughs> you are the savior of our people. <laughs> right. Um, so there's there's Top Gun. There's a pretty little known film called Women Talking. There's Everything Everywhere All at Once. There's a there's an obscure Irish film called The Banshees of Insurance. There's a, even more, this is probably the most obscure film, is called Triangle of Sadness, which is a, a social satire, kind of like a, you know, satirizing rich elite people. Uh, there is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is his, you know, partially or mostly autobiographical tale. There is the World War I epic, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a remake of the book and the, the you know, the film that was pretty influential uh classic film there's that whole avatar thing <laughs> there's that one which i don't need to talk about which i again you know you know how much i love film is i i love avatar i i love watching that thing i was like you know what i am having a good time i could do this again i'm almost you know? em i'm almost embarrassed that that's the, Me the too. only other movie on the list that i've seen oh okay uh, but, but the thing about it is that i uh I mean, do you know why we went and saw that movie? And I think I maybe mentioned this on a previous episode when we were talking about the first Avatar film, because neither you and I were very big fans of the original film. No, no. Um, uh -uh. We like my son and I literally had the conversation. I'd taken him to see the original when they re-released it into 3D again uh, in the theaters to see if it was like if all the hype was really worth it. And we determined, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't mm -hmm. worth it. And then we, you know, we kind of had this discussion. Well, the second one's coming out. I said, should we go see it? And my son's response was literally, I guess we have to, right? <laughs> it was just felt like this this obligation that, well, like we've seen the first one now. I guess we should go see the other one. Like neither one yeah. of us, neither one of us went into the theater jazzed about seeing Avatar 2. We just were like, all right, let's go check it out. Two billion dollars. Let's see if... And uh, and we actually enjoyed ourselves. We we both felt that the second was much better than the first. I still don't think it was like anywhere near no. Oscar. I mean, I've enjoyed Marvel movies more than Avatar: Way of the Water. I mean, like, sure. I, yeah. Iron yeah. Iron Man is a better movie <laughs> in my opinion, and that would never get nominated for an Oscar, nor should it. No, I, I agree with you, and, and I guess maybe that's where this comes in. If you look at the the Best Picture nominees, by the way, there's two more. One, which I would call this one a really, uh, the last two, well, let me, let me say this. I'll just say them. And then I can go through and kind of mention there are a number of truly traditional Best Picture nominees here. So guess what? We have the biopic, Elvis, right? And um, that's with, uh, what is it, Austin Butler. And everybody's loving, Austin Butler, he he did the turn that everybody loves in a biopic, which is like, you, you embodied Elvis, right? So Apparently, he still embodies Elvis. No, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to an interview with him with uh, on the Mark Maron podcast, WTF, and Mark Maron was like, "So, uh, you know, do you still got it? You still got the accent?" And and the guy, he was like, "Well, well, you know, hey, uh, 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 like." He was like, he was like trying to like work his brain out of doing the Elvis accent. I could tell he was like struggling. He was like, what, what are you talking about, Mark? I don't even know. You know, like, <laughs> and the poor guy, you know, he, he said, he said he lived Elvis for three years. And so at the end of the podcast, Mark was like, I think I got him out of it. I think, I think I got him to, to separate a little bit, you know, like, 
It was really funny. <laughs> Mark, we're going to have Joe Esposito bring the car around and have a, hey, you you bring me a peanut, <laughs> peanut butter banana sandwich? Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do, do you know what he did say in the, in the Mark Marin interview is he's friends with uh, Priscilla Presley. He like, like after when Lisa Marie died, like they called each other. So I think he's in, he's, he's in the world now. <laughs> it's like a uh, hotel, California. There's no leaving, right? <laughs> Just There's no leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, he seems like a really sweet guy, by the way. I'll he was in uh he was in uh what you call it. He was uh once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, Tex Watkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the man, one of the Manson family guys. Yeah, they they yeah. they did a number on him. I'll tell you. Yeah, they did. They talked about that the scenes that he had in that movie too, which was really interesting in that in that uh, interview. Okay, last last best picture nomination is Tar, which which stars Kate Blanchett, and this is another like Oscar bait type of film, which is you get your actor or actress to play like the extreme role or to go all in like almost like Daniel Day Lewis when he was Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood or when he was Lincoln you know or Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump uh Lydia Tarr the main character in that film she's this it's she's fictional but she is a um a, a classical music uh conductor at one of the world like the Berlin Symphony like one of the world's prominent symphonies so i mean it's a typical like Kate Blanchett film which is like oh have you seen her performance right and so these are the types of films that get nominated um all this quiet on the western front you know it's epic war films right well what so, i will yeah. say about tar and i have not seen tar though i, I it is on peacock i think for uh, to stream and i've i thought about watching it this week but i didn't um, what I'll say is as I've been, you know, doing that thing that you should never, ever do ever. I've been like, you know, going in the comment sections on, uh, on social media to see what people are saying, uh, which is just so toxic. But, uh, the one thing that I've seen over and over, I've not seen one person, not, I mean, not a single person said, man, Avatar was robbed. <laughs> like I've not seen one person say, man, Top Gun should have won. I've seen a couple people say, uh, uh, was the Irish movie Banshees of uh, In Sheeran? In Sheeran. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a few people say that they had, had been rooting yep. for that film. I've seen hundreds of people saying, man, Kate Blanchett was robbed. And uh, I don't know. I didn't see the movie. Maybe she was. Maybe she wasn't. I. But what I'll say is that seems to be the only one that people seemed passionately upset about. Yeah in, in yep. mass <laughs> and i have to say i have to say i would probably say if you were to ask me who's your favorite living actress i'd probably say kate blanchett i i i just i'm enamored with her i think she is everything that artists want to be she's like a pure artist and uh, i would love to live in her head a little bit um i think she is just a master at her craft and this is the funny thing about oscars and let me say this i guess i'll pause here I love to know who wins. I'm so glad everything, everywhere, all at once won. At the same time, I, I don't, none of it matters. Like, who cares? <laughs> and maybe that's why I'm sad Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's your Super Bowl. You tell me. <laughs> it's my Super Bowl. And here's here's why it's my Super Bowl is, and here's why I don't care. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be a very good Super Bowl fan too, like a good football fan is like, I don't care who wins. I just enjoy watching them throw the ball. You know, like, like for me, it's a night about film and loving film. And that's why I was bummed that Tom Cruise wasn't there. 
And because it's like, oh man, you know, like he, he would have lit up the night and maybe he wasn't there because people harp on him about Scientology or because Nicole Kidman was there. I, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what goes uh, on in Tom Cruise's uh, world? My thought, immediate thought was just that, well, Tom's not there because there's no way that movie's going to win. Yeah, but see, that, see, that's, I, I know, right? That's what people say, right? They're like, hey, you know, he knew that they weren't going to win. And to me, I guess what I'm saying is, is that defeats, that's not the point. That's not oh, why they're there. So it's an honor just to be nominated? Uh, Now, <laughs> when it comes, when it comes to individual pride, no, you do want to win. Absolutely. I think what I'm trying to describe is the communal event of truly loving what everybody else does. And I guess for me, this is why I come back to it. And I am going to mention what they did with The Little Mermaid. <laughs> um, but it is about the wonder of that film is. And like, I might have voted for the Fablemans because I just love film so much. And that that movie is about Steven Spielberg's love of making movies. And I, I guess that's why I watch the Oscars. That's why I keep going back to the films. And, and you know what? I'm going to admit something to you. You saw two of the films. I only saw three. Okay. I only saw three. <laughs> and the, the only difference maybe between you and me is I know a lot about every single one of the films except Triangle of Sadness and All This Quiet on the Western Front. Those ones I didn't even look into very much. The other ones I've spent some time with. You know what ticked me off is um, we, I, my son and I, like once a week we watch, um, you know, I try to introduce him to a, a film uh, that is like a yeah. classic. Um, and they could be all over the the spectrum. You know, I mean, it could be comedy. It could be black and white. It could be noir. It could be, uh, a, it could be a documentary. Um, and, and we try to like once every week, just watch something that I can introduce him to. Sometimes they're films that I haven't seen. Sometimes they're films I have seen. I had seen the, I don't even know if it was the original All Quiet on the Western Front, but the, the one with Richard Thomas from the late 70s. They said of Eric Maria Remarque's great novel, All Quiet on the Western Front is the definitive expose of war. We say it is much more. I want the truth. May I never come back. If he wasn't killed instantly. All Quiet on the Western Front stars Richard Thomas, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Ian Holm, Patricia Neal. My they called them the lost generation. They should not be forgotten. I saw that in high school. I've never, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's, it's a great film. It's, I mean, you know, look, it is what it is. It's a, it's a depressing World War One movie. But it's a great film. And so we watched that like six months ago. I didn't know there was a remake. I would have totally just watched or waited and watched the new one. And now the problem I have is I don't feel like watching All Quiet on the Western Front again, having just seen, mm. because it is a long, depressing war movie, a great film. And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure, I have no doubts the new one is probably fantastic. 
I just am not ready to sit and put myself through that again. And so it'll probably be that. That's probably going to be the last one on the list I get back around to. I think I'm glad that you brought up all is quiet on the Western front, which is this. Um, and I, I'm a literature teacher as well. And so I, I have to like read books that are depressing. Like that's like my job. <laughs> that's what I do. And, and so the typical Hollywood Oscar worthy movie is one that really helps. Like it really like makes people dwell on sadness, <laughs> right? Maybe Forrest Gump is an exception, which is it was very sad, but also so loving and so hopeful and maybe maybe there's a culmination of, of of sentiments there. But if you look at the Best Picture nominees for this year, most of them are that way. Guess what the big joke about Banshees of Insurin was? It's a depressing Irish film about depressed Irish people talking about depressing things, but with some jokes in between, right? The the only thing the only thing I even knew about that movie at all, and really, I have no idea what that movie's about. Nothing. Um, I still don't. The only thing I do know about it is that the uh, the woman who played Mike's daughter on Better Call Saul is in it. And apparently she's Irish and used a great American accent on uh, on Better Call Saul. I now that you say that, I recognize her. I didn't think about that at the time. Uh, that's good. I had no idea. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's good. You know, these these people I'm. A, yeah, I'm amazed at the actors and actresses that are able to do great American accents and we can't do their accents. It's kind of funny. Um <laughs> So you have two outliers, which is Top Gun and Avatar, and those are the popcorn movies. But most of the films on this list are the are the ones that get you, the ones that fill you with all this inner turmoil and tension. Would you say that everything, everywhere, all at once, even though it's a little bit of both, though, and I think Elvis, too, probably, they're, they're kind of that half, you know, heartstring pulling, but also half popcorn. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's exactly where I was going, which is that everything everywhere all at once is the is the combination of it. And that's what maybe is perhaps so amazing about it to me, which is uh, here. here's another thing. Guess who also doesn't win Best Picture are comedies and everything all at once, everywhere all at once is basically a comedy, even though it's it's about five things, you know, all at once. Um, but it's a comedy. It's, it's, a, it's a very funny movie. It really is like. I would have to go back and look and go, what is the le the last film that comes close to being a comedy? Forrest Gump is kind of a comedy. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would I would label it as that. I mean, are there any best picture films that would be said, hey, can you believe it? A comedy one this year? Hey, by the way, Shakespeare in Love was kind of a comedy. I'll say that. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Oh, actually, Pulp Fiction didn't win. No, did, wait, did Pulp Fiction win best picture? No, it didn't. I think it infamously did not win best picture. No, it did not win. Uh, last year was mm -hmm. the film Coda, which I remember yep. hearing about that you know last that year. It's a, 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 about a deaf family, right? Yep, yep. Very interesting movie. Nomadland. Uh, again, like you know, maybe Green Book was kind of a comedy. That was by a Farrelly brother, by the way. Uh, did you know that? I didn't know that. Parasite. Okay, that was not a comedy. Have you seen Parasite? Oh, that's have... a really good film. A little bit of a comedy. That's yeah. a little bit of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a social satire, but it's also a pretty dark comedy. I, maybe that's what I, I definitely call it a dark comedy. Uh, the Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight. Spotlight's a real romp of a comedy. If you've ever seen that one, that's a joke. Uh, it's about uh, abuse in the Catholic uh, sex sex abuse in the Catholic Church. 
okay, I'm in I'm I'm in the sixties now. And boy, there really is like you'd think you'd find one somewhere, but you're right. There is nothing that is just a straight up comedy. Not nothing that would be a straight up comedy. It just doesn't win. Uh, you know, I mean, in the same way, you know, Dirty Harry didn't win either as an action picture. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's nothing. Chinatown, I think, won. Uh, but that's not a, that's not a straight up action film. Uh, maybe the French Connection won. Didn't the French Connection win? Okay, uh, in in, in 1938, the Frank Capra Jimmy Stewart film, you can't take it with you. Now that was a comedy, and that was Best Picture. Look at your mother. She's still staring at me. Well, who wouldn't stare at you? Tony, promise you'll do it. You know, every time I think how lucky I am, I feel like screaming. Tony, please promise you'll invite them. Oh, I feel a scream coming on right now. You know, we'll have to face it sooner oh, or yes, later. It's starting right down on my toes. Sort of a tingling sensation. Now, look, we can invite them both up around my knees. My legs are traveling faster and Tony, faster and faster. You're not really going to scream. It's in my stomach right now. I'm afraid it's got me, Alice. Now it's going up and up and up and up. It's all no, over no, my body now. Here. No. It's right in my throat now. What I can do is fighting to get out. I don't oh. I can't hold it any longer. Here it goes. Oh. No! What happened? What happened? What happened? Well, a mouse went no. right past there. A mouse in this place? A mouse. What do you mean a mouse? There was a rat that long with hair on it. A rat with hair on yeah, it? Yeah, about six of them. Weren't there six or seven of them? Where? 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 Right under that table. Okay, I didn't see that one. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never seen the film version. I've seen, I've seen a, a, like a, a stage production of it. But uh, and it is it, here. Here it is. It, it is. Uh, you can't take it with you. 1938. Comedy, drama, romance are the categories. Okay. Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, in the first years of the Oscars, they actually had two separate awards for director of best drama and director of best comedy. And then they combined them for the second year because they realized it was just not necessary. So I, I think that what that shows is, um, well, and by the way, the Golden Globes still do this. They 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 give awards for the best comedy and musical, and then the awards for the best drama. So some people like to separate out the genres, right? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Here's what I do, by the way. I embrace the absurdity of what awards are. I love talking about the winners. It, it you know, it's thrilling. It's fun. Uh, I, it's fun to imagine yourself winning. It's it's fun to think about people giving you all this praise. And at the end of the day, I also acknowledge that it's it's probably not the best thing. It's probably detrimental to art itself, <laughs> which is like it 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 defeats the purpose. Like like the movie Women Talking uh, is about a set of women in a Mennonite community. I think they lived in Central America or South America. And they, they realized they were being sexually abused by the men in their community. Like it doesn't matter whether it wins an Oscar or not. What matters is if people actually see the film and engage with it and, and deal with like the serious subject matter that is trying to present to us. Do you think that by uh, awarding a film like that, something like, do you think it risks cheapening the message of the film then? Well, see, that's the irony is, Yes, it risks cheapening the message, but by winning the awards or even just being even just by being nominated, it brings like it, it raises awareness. Yeah, I imagine for the people that watch the Oscars, I imagine that. I don't know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people heard about women talking that had never heard of it before. 
right? And I and because Sarah Polly won for best adapted screenplay, which is really interesting. It's, you know, so and I and I've heard her interviewed and talking about the film. And my problem is is just I don't get around to see them. But maybe maybe one day I, I would love to live a life where I just go and see a film every week. And I would I would have seen all these films, but uh, it's not my life at the moment. So. What did, what did you want to discuss uh, regarding everything everywhere? Uh, honestly, I, I I think we've we've pretty much hit on it all. I mean, it was just you know, uh, I really was just curious what you thought about you know whether that you know it was the type of film that you expected to see show up if you when you watched it when you saw it before the hype did you feel like it, it was it had a chance of being this not even not only being this year's best picture but basically sweeping the Oscars? I mean. It, Best actor, best actress, you know, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Uh, we didn't not best actor. That was Brendan Fraser. But uh, oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the whale. I don't I don't want to talk about that movie, but uh, I, I did appreciate no. uh, I saw Kimmel's monologue and, and him pointing out the fact that two of the actors from Encino Man were nominated for Oscars this year, which is and they won which, and they won and they both won, which is kind <laughs> of incredible if you think about that. That that I, you know what I was thinking the same thing with Jamie Lee Curtis. I was thinking, and obviously everybody knows Jamie Lee Curtis is a great actress. But I was thinking to myself, like, when you're Jamie Lee Curtis and you're making Christmas with the Cranks, circa 2005, you pretty much mm -hmm. think your your Oscar days are behind you when you're making yeah, that movie. And funny. I'm not trying to dog on. I actually thought Christmas with the Cranks was a funny movie, but like, I don't expect you know anybody like to come from like Encino man or Christmas with the cranks yeah. to come, come out, you know, 20 years, 15, whatever years later. And, and uh, when best actor or best uh, actress or supporting actress, I think that's incredible. And, and Kihei Kwan's speech was so freaking in, inspirational. Like what a, I love that guy. I, I yeah. I, you, I want him you, to be my mentor. I want, I want him to, to be my life coach. Like you can't <laughs> not love that guy. I mean, like he just, yeah, made, yeah, he, yeah. yeah he just like, I want to spend five minutes with that guy. And I feel like that would get me through a year. <laughs> my mom is 84 years old and she's at home watching mom. I just want an Oscar. My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp. And somehow, I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. I owe everything to the love of my life. My wife, Echo, who... Who, month after month, year after year for 20 years, told me that one day, one day, my time will come. Dreams are something you have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine. To all of you out there, please keep your dreams alive. I mean, yeah, there's this meme going around where like he came up at some point, like in the award season, he came up to Harrison Ford and like he hadn't seen Harrison Ford and he was thinking that he's not going to know who I am. So as I was waiting in the green room, uh, somebody told me that Harrison Ford is just right outside the green room. But I want to say hi. And I'm like thinking, but I want to say hi. Of course I want to say hi. I haven't seen the man in 38 years. Yeah. And when I walked out, he was like, you know, 10 feet away.
My heart was pounding. I was so nervous. And the entire time I'm thinking, is he gonna recognize me? Because the last time he saw me, I was a little kid. Yeah. So when I approached him, he turned to me and, uh, and he has that, you know, that famous yeah. grumpy Harrison Ford look on his face. Yeah. And he lifts up his finger and he points at me. And he stares at me like this. And I go, oh no, he's thinking I'm a fan and he's gonna tell me to stay away. But instead he's, he, he looks at me and says, are you short round? And I was immediately transported back to 1984 when I was a little kid where I looked up to him and I said, yes, Indy. And he says, come here. Pull me close to him and gave me the biggest hug. Like, <laughs> like, so like, said it like he was a kid again, you know, like he, he, he leaped back into his little kidness and it was just so sweet, you know, just kind of the, the love there. You know what? I have, I have my cynical hot take, which is like, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg sitting there applauding and all, and all of a sudden I go, well, Steven Spielberg didn't give Kihei Kwan a job for 30 years. I mean, come on. He was making movies the whole time. <laughs> like, so like, I kind of wonder like, huh, how does, how does that work? Right. You know, which his part of his story was he wasn't able to find work. And so he became a stunt coordinator and producer and stuff like that. But, m m made Encino man. Well, there you go. That's funny. I, I've probably seen Encino man like five times in my life. I forgot that he was in it. I'm sorry. I, I didn't even remember that. We took a vote and the computer club feels your presence will be a valuable asset to our organization. Computer club, computer club, computer club. Computer club, computer club. Computer club. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Why doesn't that happen when Matt hits me? Give yourself a few million years, David. I haven't seen Encino Man since it came out. <laughs> it's been oh really? Well, it's been thirty years probably, but yeah. Uh, you know, we all have things in our past that we, you know, you know, we shouldn't be proud of. I, I did like Pauly Shore back in the day. Hey, I no shame here. I, I always enjoyed Pauly Shore movies at the time. I, you know, I imagine, yeah, you know, yeah. I've not watched one since I was twelve, but but when I was twelve, man, Pauly Shore was great. The last Pauly Shore movie I watched was when it's a documentary that goes on a trip with him as he's taking a, a stand-up comedy tour. And I, I did see that. I've heard of that. It, how was that? It's good. It's really interesting. You kind of see the more somber side of him. And I think his mom was kind of, you know, her health was declining at the time, uh, Mitzi. And uh, anyway, it's a good film. It's a good film. I enjoyed it. Uh, now, he was the voice of Bobby in a Goofy movie, which is my, actually my favorite Disney film, a Disney animated film of all time. I, I absolutely <laughs> adore a Goofy movie. Where, where's Polly Shore's nomination? That's what we want to know. Um, now, now, let me say this. Just we, maybe we can wrap up uh, everything everywhere all at once. I'll tell you this. There is an award that a film like that does tend to win. And they tend to give it to younger directors. You know, they, you know they're only directing their first films. And they, they kind of put together like this big artistic project that everyone loves they tend to win best original screenplay jordan peele he won for get out right he won best original screenplay for get out it's, it's those types of awards and so i would feel like everything everywhere all at once is going to win those awards or maybe they would have won like what is it called the, the set not set design but like whatever the design award or maybe best special effects uh you know best visual effects they would sure what did uh top gun it won best sound i think yeah, come on. Bring it. I mean, you should have heard that sound, Joe. It just blew you yeah. away in the theater, right? It, it blew me away. Yeah, I, I could see everything everywhere all at once winning a lot of those technical awards. Maybe maybe like at a, you know, 
best supporting actor like Kihei Kwan did win, but yeah, not the whole sweeping of the awards like I like it actually did. Well, before we get any further, we want to stop a little bit of a break because we need to have a Delusions of Grandeur. And now it's time for Delusions of Grandeur with Will Smith. Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family. In this time in my life, in this moment, I am overwhelmed by what God is calling on me to do and be in this world. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. And I know you gotta be able to take abuse. You gotta be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you gotta be able to have people disrespecting you. And you gotta smile and you gotta pretend like that's okay. It's like, I wanna be a vessel for love. Art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. <laughs> I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. Um, but love will make you do crazy things. I'm taking up too much time. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Hope the Academy invites me back. Thank you. <laughs> this has been Delusions of Grandeur with Will Smith, brought to you by the Nostalgic Future Podcast. So, you know, Chris, that the ratings were up over last year. Do you think the Academy sent thank you notes to Will Smith and Chris Rock? Yeah, exactly. Actually, I know it's quite the opposite. Uh, I, I read an article this week where it was the question of how will Will Smith get his Oscar like uh, um, embossed or whatever, whatever they do, like they put his name on it or whatever. They engrave it. And, and like the director of the Academy, she was like, well, maybe he shouldn't come himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're like, Maybe he should have somebody bring it in because I don't think we want him to show up. So I don't think they did. I don't think they did. And, uh, I, you know, but yeah, the, 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 the numbers were up. I guess that's good. You know, you know, what's so amazing about all this is like everything's so fickle. One year they're saying like the Oscars is doing great. Next year it'll be like no one's watching again. Right. I mean, obviously the slap, people have been talking about it for the past year. It, it was going to bring in some viewers. Do you think they would have had the ratings it had if Selective Outrage hadn't aired on Netflix the week prior? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a good question. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, people have stopped talking about it now. Now that it came out, people are just like moving on. I think we're done talking about Chris Rock so much. I think people were waiting for a year to hear from him yeah and yeah. and of course he, he talked about it i mean there's he pulled no punches yeah at all <laughs> y'all know what happened to me getting smacked by suge smith everybody knows everybody fucking knows yes it happened i got smacked like a year ago last week i got smacked at the fucking oscars by this motherfucker and people like, did it hurt? It still hurts. <laughs> I got summertime ringing in my ear. <laughs> drums, please. 
but I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. You will never see it. Never gonna happen. I couldn't believe it, and I love men in black. No. It's never gonna happen. No. I took that hit like Pacquiao, motherfucker. Yeah, and so, I mean, what did, what did you think of his special? What did you think? I, I had mixed feelings about the special. Um, I mean, it was certainly funny. You know, it, I mean, I laughed throughout. There were aspects of it that I didn't find particularly funny or like we, we talked about this a little bit off the air, but like I actually thought his abortion bit was borderline stolen from Bill Burr's recent Netflix special. And I thought Bill Burr did it better. I have a really weird take on abortion. I'm going to tell you that right from the get go. OK, I'm 100 percent pro-choice. Always have been. It's a, ladies, I said it was weird for the love of God. Pro-choice always made sense to me because I don't like people telling me what to do. And I was just like, it's your body. Who the fuck am I to tell you what to do with your body? So that always made sense, all right? However, I still think you're killing a baby. See? That's where it gets weird. Like, I sit on the fence and the whole thing makes sense to me. Whatever anybody's saying, like, don't tell me what to do. It's my body, my choice. That's right, man, she's right. Leave her the hell alone. Oh, you're killing a baby. Well, I mean, there is that, you know? I mean, you know, if we're gonna be honest, that is the whole purpose of the procedure. You know, you're not going in there because you got an earache. You're going in there because you're like, I got a baby in me, get it the out of here, right? You walk in with the baby, you come out without one. What happened to the baby, right? But he basically took the exact same take on abortion that Bill Burr took, made similar jokes about it, kind of took it into a little bit darker territory than, than Bill Burr did. But in general, I, I, I was more like kind of just stunned that like, oh, that's really, really similar. I am pro-choice. I'm absolutely pro-choice, okay? I believe women should have the right to kill babies. That's right, I'm on your side. I believe you should have the right to kill as many babies as you want. <laughs> kill them all, I don't give a <laughs> But let's not get it twisted, it is killing a baby. Cause whenever I pay for an abortion, I request a dead baby. Sometimes I call up the doctor like a hitman. Is it done? You know, and because Burr's, I mean, that special came out with, within the last year, I think, on Netflix as well. Right. So it just it surprised me that how close those two routines were. I mean, there were, but there were funny, there was funny stuff from the beginning to the end. I thought the, um, the I thought the thing on the royal family was pretty funny. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, talking about like, um, Meghan Markle being surprised about how she was treated, but like, like really, this is you know the royal family. They invented racism. Like, what was this girl, uh, Meghan Markle? Seemed like a nice lady. <laughs> Just complaining. I was like, didn't she hit the light skin lottery? <laughs> and still going on complaining, acting all dumb like she don't know nothing. Going on Oprah, I didn't know. I had no idea how racist they were. It's the royal family. You didn't Google these motherfuckers? 
<laughs> what the fuck is she talking about? She didn't know. It's the royal family. They're the original racists. They invented colonialism. They're the OGs of racism. They're the Sugar Hill Gang of racism. <laughs> the fuck is she talking about? This motherfucker invested in slavery like it was Shark Tank. Um, that yeah. Whole, that whole bit. And, you know, I thought he, he was pretty funny there. But the, as far as the Will Smith stuff, I mean, honestly, I can't even say that the Will Smith stuff was as funny to me as it was like more of like a holy crap he is like you know mm -hmm. he is destroying will smith and jada too yeah because he was pretty rough on both of them and i say that i go but you know as rough as he was he didn't walk up and slap him in the face so it was but it was uh it was a brutal 10 minutes and that's all it was i mean an hour-long special he talked about it for 10 minutes at the end yeah i i felt the ending was more shocking than it was funny, though there were absolutely funny moments even in that that last 10 minutes. But I, I think my jaw was more on the floor than I was laughing. It was like, oh man, whoa, ah, he went there. Oh my gosh. No, he didn't. It was it was those yeah. kind of reactions, not laugh out loud. I laughed more throughout maybe the first 50 minutes of the special. What did you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I will say in general, I'm just a like like you, a stand-up fan and have seen a number of rock specials over the years and tend to enjoy them. You know, I, I, I think what's interesting about rock is over the years I've noticed that, yeah, he has this abrasive personality and that comes with it, right? That's part of his routine and he's kind of in your face about things. And so on some levels, I really truly appreciated his perspectives and it was funny like you've said, like a number of other people have said, it's like, it wasn't his funniest work. And I guess maybe what I would bring out is as much as I liked it and I am absolutely a hundred percent anti the slap, right? I'm on, I'm on rock side here. Like that shouldn't have happened. It was inappropriate at the same time. I guess I'm a little bit sick of comedians using the whole jokes are just jokes cards. Hey, lighten up people. They're just jokes. Words don't hurt you. Yeah, I got punched in the face. You know, that hurts. Words don't hurt. Yeah, which is kind of the, the, you know, the yeah. gist of what he was going with. Which is their whole shtick that I've seen. It. I've seen this from Chappelle, maybe a few other comedians, but I'm really just thinking about these two because they're the most prominent in, in our minds, which is it's up to you whether you take a joke seriously or not. And if you're going to get offended or hurt or, 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 you know, if you're going to cancel me or you're going to, you know, um, you're, you're going to boycott me or whatever over my jokes, well, that's on you. They're just jokes. Why don't, why don't, you know, basically they're basically, it's, it's their way of saying to people, don't take this so seriously. They're just jokes. And I guess what doesn't sit well with me is that, that their whole career is standing up in front of people saying, listen, I want you to love my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so their their whole career is built around us enjoying the words coming out of their mouths. And they also say things like, we just want to, we want to entertain people. We're, you know, people come, they, they come and sit at our show to forget their lives for, for an hour or whatever. Uh, the whole idea is that the words that they say matter. 
Now, I, I'm with rock in the sense that like, sure, there's a difference between the words that we say and and like him actually getting slapped. Uh, but like, I think the selective outrage should apply to him as well, because guess what? He's he wants to say, you know, that Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith shouldn't have taken his words so seriously. But he didn't acknowledge the fact that his alopecia joke was a low blow and was not actually like it was just a low joke. It was making fun of an illness that she has. He can have all the problems in the world that he wants with Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay, I don't care. You know, you know, you know, call out her behavior, make fun of her behavior, make fun of her own actions. What's with the low blow there? Like, what's what's with the the shot below the knees? And he didn't acknowledge that. He didn't acknowledge there was no sense of him saying, "Yeah, that I shouldn't have done that. I was out of line." Uh, there's none of that. Right? Question for you. And now, and I want to preface this by saying my question doesn't mean I think he was in the right because i don't i think that should have been acknowledged and we'll never know the the answer to this question it's a hypothetical really but that that is do you think his response to that joke would be different had the slap not occurred in other words if if there had been criticism over that maybe there would have been an apology the next day oh there you go that'd be interesting right because to me the sense i got from chris rock was that this is a guy saving face a year later in a way, yep. this this is a guy yep. who was who was humiliated on a national stage, wrongly so. I mean, he was wronged. There was no doubt about it. You know, there was no, no matter how bad or inappropriate or offensive his joke was, there was absolutely no justification for violence. It just shouldn't have happened. But he spent not even just that ten minutes of that special. He spent the whole special basically reinforcing telling us and 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 really hammering it into our heads that I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim and honestly I didn't buy it. What I got from it is this is a guy who was really wounded by what happened and was really hurt and is really angry about it. And by the way, I, I say mm-hmm. that I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. He should have been. He had every right to feel wounded he had every right Mm -hmm. to feel honestly he had every right to feel victimized because he was victimized Mm -hmm. so when he kind of gave that like well i'm not a victim and you're never going to see me on oprah well no you're not on oprah you're on your netflix special working through it in front of you know millions of people trying to prove how tough you are exactly you know uh, again saving face now what i will say is from a completely capitalistic standpoint he was brilliant to do it the way he did. I mean, you you know, I mean, yeah. he 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 could have went on, you know, a hundred talk shows talking about it in the last year. Instead, he just sat on it. He was just quiet. Yeah. He didn't say a peep hardly, very, very little over the last year. And then he had a Netflix special. And it was for at least one night, all anybody in the world was talking about. Um, that was checkmate, as far as I'm concerned, with, with Chris Rock. You know, uh, he that was him taking lemons and turning them into lemonade. The content itself, I didn't really buy that he is over it. I I felt like this this is a guy who was really hurt by what happened. And that's why I kind of agree with you. Like he should have acknowledged what he said. And I'll even get I'll give him the complete benefit of the doubt. And I'll say, let's say Chris Rock just thought she shaved her head didn't know she had alopecia i mean i mean i I didn't know that 
when I told my wife the joke, she went, oh, oh, that's that's not cool because she knew Jada Pinkett's story. I didn't know it. And she like explained it to me like, oh, wow. Oh, man. Okay. Because I mean, I didn't I didn't understand slapping, you know, him over a G.I. Jane joke. I didn't know there was an illness. So, okay, maybe he knew. Let's even say he probably knew. I'll give him the absolute benefit of the doubt and say he didn't know. Even just a passing line in that bit that says, you know what? That was a really dumb thing to say. You know, I, you know what? Was it wrong? Yeah, it was wrong. I shouldn't have did it. But, and then, and then go into your, you know, because, you know, he certainly had a lot that he could have still unloaded on. Yeah. Well, see, maybe that's what he could have done. And again, like, who am I sitting here? Like, I'm telling him what he should be doing. But but his whole point was selective outrage. What he could have done is he could have examined himself a little bit more. Here's what he could have done. He could have said, listen, it would be selective outrage for me to justify my dumb, hurtful joke. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to claim it. I shouldn't have made the joke. But so I'm I'm going to claim it for myself. I'm not going to be a I'm not going to use the selective outrage, which is which is a really good concept by the way, which is like we get mad at some things and other things we just let pass. And he really called out Will and Jada about that, which I think was really good. I think I thought it was really insightful. Will Smith practices selective outrage cuz everybody knows what the happened. Everybody that really knows, knows I had nothing to do with that. I didn't have any entanglements. I did. I did not have any entanglement. And for people that don't know what everybody knows, his wife was fucking her son's friend. Okay? Now, I normally would not talk about this but for some reason, these put that shit on the internet. I have no idea why two talented people would do something that fucking low down. What the? That we all been cheated on. Everybody in here been cheated on. None of us have ever been interviewed by the person that cheated on us on television. Why the? F- would you do that? She hurt him way more than he hurt me. Okay. It would have been 100% better if he would have called himself out because he's like, listen, I'm not exempt from this either. But he decided not to. He's, instead, he justified himself in the comedic role, which is I just tell jokes, which is like, yeah, I know you just tell jokes. And, and the, the other thing that I he didn't sell me on mm. was connecting it to the whole entanglement thing. The whole thing with Will Smith and, and Jada, their relationship and the... Whatever's going on there, you know, with, with their marital business, you know, to make that a part of his act and try to connect, you know, her affairs or things like that to the slap, to me, felt really forced. One really didn't have anything to do with the other to me. <laughs> and then, like, to me, that just felt like unloading some anger and like, OK, you humiliated me. I'm going to humiliate you on Netflix tonight for the world to see. I mean, did some of the jokes land? Yeah, I'm not going to be lying. I would be lying if I said they didn't. I mean, but was it cool? Not really. Yeah, no. You know, that that is a side of what he did, which it just kind of... I've got better things to do than to try to figure out 
all the nuances of Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's relationship and what anything Chris Rock has to do with it. Uh, it was just too confusing. By the way, he 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 made a joke. Part of his joke was he he referenced a movie that just came out called Emancipation, but he actually got it wrong in the special. The movie was Concussion. And, and so like he was criticizing something from 2015. Guess what, Chris Rock? I don't, I have no idea what the beef between you and Jada Pinkett Smith from 2015 is. Like, I'm not following that, man. Like it was, it was, it was all too much. And in his mistake, he was trashing the wrong movie. Years ago, his wife said, I, I should quit the Oscars. I shouldn't host because her man didn't get nominated for Emancipation. The biggest piece of ever. Okay? And then something gives me a concussion. No, not Emancipation. I fucked up the joke. Concussion. She said he should quit because Will didn't get nominated for concussion. Yeah. Then he caught himself and he corrected himself. You know, they have since, he they, they, they have since edited the mistake out of the special. That's right. They, they, I, I haven't seen it to see how they edited it or whatever. The movie from 2015 was called Concussion, but he he said the the movie Emancipation, which just came out, which just came out. Uh, but anyway, all, all I'm trying to say is, you know, I, I think he had a lot of good points and I'm with him on a lot of it. I, you know, I, I'm with you. Number one. Uh, so here's my point. I wish he would own his own stuff instead of being the big tough guy that did no wrong. I wish he would show a little bit of contrition or humility on his own side he can claim whatever he wants to claim i'm also with you is you know what i'm tired of the tough guy stuff i'm just tired of it and sure he could still kind of be tough but he could be modeling how he has dealt with this trauma of being slapped in front of a national audience and being hit i mean chances are he was hit as a kid sometime and that brought him back to whatever trauma he endured when as a little guy instead he's he's modeling the fact that yeah yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let this show any weakness and it's like yeah you know what i think i think a lot of the world is getting over that kind of mentality which is you can still be tough but admit that you've been hurt and admit that it messed you up inside and he's not taking this opportunity to show the world that that's for sure i will tell you this has uh, nothing to do with the actual this comedy special or the slap the, over the last eh, probably six months or so our family has been watching uh, the show everybody hates chris okay and uh, which i had never seen before when it originally aired and we've really been enjoying it. it's a funny show cool but there was an episode where oh my goodness i lost it where chris rock is it's obviously the character uh, chris is himself as a child and then chris rock narrates the show kind of telling his story and there was a joke that was just amazing in hindsight where Chris's uncle is bootlegging hip hop albums on cassette and his brother is looking through the cassettes that his uncle's selling and there's these artists and they're like new artists and he sees DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Never heard of these guys. You will. <laughs> this is years before the slap. It was amazing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You know, I mean, you know, foreshadowing his own life there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. You'll leave it at that. And Chris, you will as well. <laughs> It'll come back to you. Oh, well, anyway, I, I'm satisfied. I'm good. I can move on. I, I've purged my soul of any rants that I want to go on about uh, Chris Rock here. And Chris Rock, you can take it up with us. We'll exchange words. There, there will be no physical uh, altercations between us. <laughs> 
Well, this was our Oscar episode. I mean, we'd love to hear from you too. I mean, you know, give us everything you got. Give us your Oscar love. Tell us why you hate it. You you can't even watch the Oscars anymore. Tell us why you're like Joe, where you're like, listen, I just, you're kind of apathetic. It just doesn't happen. Da, 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 da. Hey, by the way, Joe, I realize I forgot to mention what happened with the Little Mermaid. So here's what's oh, funny. About oh, it. yeah, yeah. You've been teasing it the whole episode. <laughs> I've been teasing the whole, and I just, I just been, I, you know what? That's what I'm doing. I'm just, I, I was trying to delay right to the very end. Okay. So it's funny because you know how there's always musical segues in, in the Oscars and it's great. You know, they play, they play the music from different films and it's kind of fun. It's sentimental or whatever. Well, guess what pops on uh, a part of your world from the little mermaid Da, 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 a pa, da, da, da. like and it was the orchestra and, and, and my and, wife and i we start to we start and, to hum it and you remembered all the same lyrics that i remembered <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> exactly at least we can still hum it to this very day i bet, I bet my wife can probably know the, i want to be where the people are i remember that line <laughs> you're so good joe now see the night of you could have been singing along the whole time now at first, it was just like, oh, okay, okay, you know, it's it's the film. But then all of a sudden, Melissa McCarthy, and you're gonna have to forgive me, but the young woman who's starring in the new Little Mermaid come out, and they start to announce it. And all of a sudden, you it, it, it dawns on me, they're talking about the film. They're, they're, they're introducing the film. What's her name? Hallie Bailey. Which, which, which is i know it's is very, yeah i know right hey it's you know she went with it she could have changed it when she was getting her career going but yeah, i, I, I heard she, i heard she's, she's, she's making a she's making a movie with tom hanks <laughs> yeah and uh brad pat uh, <laughs> i don't know anyway um i wish her well she seems great the fun the, what, what happened was is they on the Oscar stage, they started to play the trailer. And they, and so then it segued into like the full-on commercial of The Little Mermaid, the full trailer. So it was a little bit of a Super Bowl moment where it's like, okay, they're using this opportunity. They've got as many eyes as possible to let the world know that The Little Mermaid is coming out. But ah, man, I, it was a, I did not like that move. I mean, come on. I understand the whole night is about commercialization. It's all about <laughs> selling tickets and making people aware of their great movies or whatever. But this just seemed like uh, it was too far. They, they pushed it too far. But you know what? I understand. We're, we're in corporate America here. I get it. But it, boy, it, it, it made me feel gross inside. You, uh, you, when you messaged me this week, you had, uh, you sent me a, a, a gif or gif or whatever you want to call it of, uh, of Garth from Wayne's world. You know, I just think that's sad, you know? It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. I just think it's people are making everything about money. I just think it's sad. You know, and he's got, he's got his Reeboks on. He's, he's, he is fully sold out. And, uh, I guess, you know, I guess we're all sellouts in this world, aren't we? Right? We're we're all gonna we, we would all sell out at the drop of a hat if it meant we could pay off our house. You know that like, you know what though? It, right? That that is pretty slimy though, kind of using yeah, running the trailer right on the stage. I mean, how much did how yeah. much did uh, Disney pay for that little uh <laughs> they actually paid ten million. They paid ABC ten million to do it. They actually did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, Disney? And, you know, did, did Disney paid themselves Disney, ten million? <laughs> okay, Disney basically paid themselves ten million. To do it. <laughs> I, and and uh, I, of course, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about the fact that it aired on ABC. Exactly, I mean, it's right. It's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I can imagine the reason I bring it up as we're closing here is, you know what, listen, let us have it. If you hate the Oscars and you're, you know, you, you think it's all become about, you know, social messages and the, you know, whatever you're tired of the arrogant actors and whatever, it's fine. I get it. I still love movies though. And, and, and I'm a kid when I get there. So we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us with everything you got. Uh, we will see you next time. Have a great week. Happy listening. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Future Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at nostalgicfuturepodcast at gmail.com. We may just read your letter on an upcoming show. Follow us on social media, Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook and at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review to help support what we do. Until next time, remember... The past is the only way forward. We know this is a special night for you. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor <laughs> and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. <laughs> Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Maybe even give the assailant a hug. And if any of you get mad at a joke and decide you want to come up here and get jiggy with it, it's not going to be easy. There are a few of my friends you're going to have to get through first. You're going to get, have to get through the heavyweight champ, Adonis Creed, before you get to me. You're going to have to do battle with Michelle Yeoh before you get to me. You are going to have to beat the Mandalorian before you get to me. You are going to have to tangle with Spider-Man. You are going to have to... You are going to have to tangle with Fableman. And then you're going to have to go through my right-hand man, Guillermo, if you want to get up to this stage. Oh, wait a minute. Not, hold on, I should say... The other Guillermo. Not, not, not Del Toro. The, yes, that one. Okay, there you go. I know he's cute, but make no mistake, you even so much as wave at me, that sweet little man will beat the Lydia Tar out of you, okay? <laughs> <laughs>